I missed being with you uh, last week. Though I was in Texas, I wasn't in Houston. So I miss being with you. After a week's absence, I was set to return with dinner arranged for last night with Brooke and Justin. But flight, my flight was rescheduled, and so I, was, I came in late last night, uh, way past bedtime, uh, let alone time for dinner. And that thwarted the plans with Justin and Brooke. Justin and Brooke, who drive 90 miles to be at the Heights. Justin and Brooke, who made plans for dinner last night. And I said, sorry, I can't make it. Forgiveness. As hard as it is for us to grant, it's such a beautiful thing to receive. And I am witness to that. So when I texted Justin and Brooke and said, sorry, I can't make it, they replied, that's okay. We'll not eat dinner on Saturday night in your honor. <laughs> Seldom is humor delivered via text or email uh, accurately without the appropriate nonverbal eyebrows and you know, a tilt of the head to let you know this is funny. But that was delivered successfully. And uh, I was grateful to have uh, forgiveness. And my response was simply to say, ah. This morning, we are going to consider one of the most remarkable conversion stories in the history of Christianity. A story that will ultimately hold us accountable for how we react to it. The storyteller this morning is our steward, Melissa, who will tell the story as it was originally delivered for the ears and not for the eyes. So listen carefully. It's longish, but it's a story and expect to be profoundly impacted. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus when suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. The men traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. He was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, 
Ananias. Here I am, Lord. Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his hands on him that he might regain his sight. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the kings and Gentiles and sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. That was uh, the sermon this morning, and now some comments to follow. The title of what follows is, What is Your Opinion on the Conversion of Saul of Tarsus? It's not a sermon title that you would want to put out on the reader board necessarily. It's not going to bring in throngs of people, people driving by if they look, might say, who's Saul of Tarsus, and what's conversion, and drive on. But the question isn't for the motorist passing by 1548 Heights, it's for us. What's your opinion of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? So that we're all on the same page here, Saul of Tarsus is the subject in the reading that Melissa has just done, not reading, it was a presentation, an oral presentation. He's the one who's converted on the road to Damascus. It's Saul of Tarsus who will change his name to Paul and write about half the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and so on. That Apostle Paul, that's Saul of Tarsus. So back to the question, what's your opinion of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? How about you, brother Bible lover? Oh, I'm all in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. He's, a, he's one of my favorite Bible writers. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's my go-to passage. When I'm feeling down, I read that. It comforts me. I'm all in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Yeah, good. How about you, Dr. Theology? Oh, I'm all in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. His theology is so succinct and so inspiring. This is my favorite passage from Paul. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. That's Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And Paul wrote that. I'm all in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. 
Now, what's your opinion, Sister Boundary? Oh, I'm in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. I love his attitude. It's, it's loving but firm. Like what he says in Galatians. But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than that which you've received, let him be accursed. Yeah, Paul, he sets out those boundaries. I like Paul. I'm all in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. How about your opinion, Sister Sincere? Oh, I'm in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. He's so smart. I'm still trying to figure out what he says there in Romans 9 through 11. He might be the smartest Christian ever. I'm glad he became a Christian. We need more smart Christians like Saul of Tarsus. A brother tradition, last but not least, what's your opinion of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Well, I'm all in favor of it. I think it's right there in, in Acts chapter 9 to show us what we must do to be saved. You know, faith, repentance, confession, baptism. It's all right there. I'm in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. All right, so we have consensus, do we? Our favorite writer, inspiring theology, firm, smart, example of what we must do to be saved. Consensus. But let's go a little deeper. What if we asked Luke, who wrote this? what Luke's opinion of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus is. Luke, what's your opinion of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Well, Luke's already told us that Saul is a persecutor of the church. In fact, in Luke's two-volume account, that's the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, nearly every other time that Luke uses the word persecution, He's using it with reference to Saul of Tarsus. In other words, Luke paints a picture of the enemy of Christ, of the enemy of the church, and his face is Saul of Tarsus. Perhaps you've known converts like Saul of Tarsus, whose previous life looked like the enemy of the church. I had a colleague when I taught at Rochester College years ago who claimed that he was a real rogue before he became a Christian. He told me that his only goals in life were to drive fast German cars and chase women. Oh, he was a rogue, all right, but he was no Saul of Tarsus. I knew another man. His name was Tim Masterson, who before he was converted to Christ, in his words, he was a no-account hippie. At the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, he told me, now famous for its riots, outside the convention hall, Tim was driving his little Volkswagen Beetle and was throwing Molotov cocktails out the window. He later converted and became a minister in Colorado. A radical conversion it was, but he was no Saul of Tarsus. Neither of these men were persecutors of the church, persecutors of Christians painted like Luke paints Saul. Saul was public enemy number one. The first time we meet Saul is at the scene of the murder of Stephen, the Christian evangelist. And Luke says that the, the, the people that murder Stephen lay their cloaks at, Stephen's, at Saul's feet. Just like Luke tells us that the church placed their funds at the feet of the apostles who were in charge of the money. 
Saul was overseeing the public execution of one of the leading evangelists. Saul was in charge of the murder. He wasn't the hat check man. He was the ringleader. He was the mastermind. He was the mob boss who put a hit on Stephen. And they laid their garments at his feet like kissing the hand of Don Carleone. That was Saul of Tarsus. The next time we see Saul in Luke's account, he's leading a campaign to terrorize the followers of Jesus. Luke says it this way. Saul is breathing threats and murder against the followers of Jesus. Murders and threats against Christians. And the verbs he uses are ravaging and entering and dragging off and imprisoning. So how do you feel about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? This isn't the conversion of your friendly neighbor lady or the man who collects your mail when you leave town. It's not the woman that watches your children on Friday night because you trust her. Saul's not the nice neighbor who's baking brownies and bringing them to your kitchen for no apparent reason other than kindness. That's not Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus isn't among the people you've said, you know, he'd make a great Christian. He's already patient and kind and loving and joyful and good while he already has the fruit of the Spirit. That's not Saul of Tarsus. How do you feel about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Luke says he's a persecutor of the church. He tells us exactly what that means. He ravages the church like an animal on the prowl. He violates Christians by entering uninvited into their homes or their church meetings with his posse, dragging off men dragging off women for torture, for imprisonment, for possible murder. How do you feel about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Let's imagine the testimony of the women and children who were victimized by Saul's reign of terror. Elizabeth, how do you feel about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Well, it disturbs me, to be honest. I lost my beloved sister to that zealot. He imprisoned her, and then he killed her. Or my closest friend left Christianity because of his fear of Saul of Tarsus. Or Saul of Tarsus terrorized our congregation for months. And when I hear his name, it conjures up all these pictures and images, reels that I have in my mind. What he did to these people I loved, his name, Saul of Tarsus, makes me nauseous when I hear it. How do you feel about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Maybe we should ask the one Christian in Luke's account who's mentioned, that's Ananias. Let's ask Ananias what he thinks about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. When Ananias is told that Saul is a candidate for conversion, he thinks just like us. Ananias talks like us. He says, what? You want this guy after all that he's done? Ananias gives voice to our objections. What? No, not Saul of Tarsus. Convert him. No, I say we punish him. If you want to convert somebody, hey, look, here comes my neighbor now. She's got a platter of brownies. Let's convert her. How do you feel about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Of course, Ananias protests, and so do we. 
How do we feel about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Maybe we should ask the man himself. Ask the man who was once a terrorist against the church, became a leader in the church. One of the most stunning and inexplicable turnarounds in the history of Christianity. And he never forgot his past. He never lost sight of the reality that he tortured Christians, that he tortured the body of Christ. To the Philippians, he writes and says, I was a persecutor of the church. To the Corinthians, he writes, he says, you've heard how I used to persecute the church of God without measure. I tried to destroy it. He wrote his trusted friend, Timothy. He confessed to Timothy. He said, of all the sinners, I am the foremost. That's what he thinks. We at 1548 Heights are in transition to hire a new minister. And we're faced with a couple possibilities. On the one hand, of keeping the congregation a safe haven for the saved, a refuge for us and our friends and our children, protecting us all against the ravages of the world. Or on the other hand, we can move against the flow and step into our community as the hands and the feet of Jesus. I wonder which direction this church will go. I wonder which direction, what direction God has in mind for us. In the process, I can imagine a few Sauls of Tarsus, the old Madeline Murray O'Hare. Remember her? You probably almost forgot her completely if you ever heard of her. She was the aggressive active activist, atheist, who turned up missing several years ago. She's best known for her 1963 lawsuit, which led to the Supreme Court ruling ending official Bible reading in American public schools, that Madeline Murray O'Hare. She was such an enemy of the church that in 1964, Life magazine referred to her as the most hated woman in America. But she's gone now. She's a distant memory a historical footnote. And if I hadn't brought her up just now, nobody would have remembered her. Nobody feels terrorized by Madeline Murray O'Hare. No, the Sauls of Tarsus that I imagine are current and cultivated in our minds as enemies of the church. I'm not now thinking of the usual suspects, the enemies of the church from a generation ago, those who were pro-abortion, those who were establishing casinos in every city, those who were supporting gay rights, not those imagined enemies from a generation ago. I'm wondering now about the persons who are daily crossing your TV screen, or your social media outlets, or your cable news, or your Facebook feeds, people who are portrayed as the enemies of the church, enemies of decency, enemies of liberty, enemies of America the enemies that bring down good people, that destroy lives, alcohol, and opiate addictions, and sex trafficking, and illegal immigrants. You might have a long list in your mind of real or imagined enemies. We think about these enemies often, people with violent imaginations and wicked motivations, the irresponsible mothers 
and the abusive fathers, a community we have pocked with Saul's of Tarsus. What do you think of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? Before we go any further, maybe we should ask God what God thinks about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Because believe it or not, God is quoted on the matter. God says, you heard it, Saul of Tarsus is a chosen instrument of mine. God says, Saul of Tarsus will carry my name before the Gentiles and before kings and the sons of Israel. You heard that. And that's what happens. Saul does change his name to Paul. And he does carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And he does speak with King Agrippa. What does God think? Evidently, God approves of the conversion of the real enemy of the church, Saul of Tarsus. Which raises the question, what do we think of our enemies? Like I say, we're faced with the possibility in this congregation on the one hand of focusing as a refuge for us and our friends, a safe haven for our children and grandchildren, protecting us against the ravages of the world. Or on the other hand, to go against the flow and to step into the community as the hands and feet of Jesus, allowing God to deal with these enemies, real or imagined. I wonder which direction this church will go. I wonder what God wants. I imagine us like Ananias, like Matthew and James and John when told about Saul. We're scared to death. <laughs> we want to run. We want to hide. We want to leave. We want a safe place where people look like us and act like us and think like us. So full of fear, we want to put a sign outside that says, white, middle class, well-perfumed, behaving children, scratch golfers with homes like ours, welcome. We can think and act and talk that way when confronted with our fear of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. But God surely has something else in mind for us. It begins with those words that Jesus uttered in Luke's first gospel when Jesus gave us the advice, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What do you think of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? is to act, is to ask rather what we think of the conversion of the most notorious enemy of the church and what we think of welcoming and baptizing everyone, everyone. So here it is. What do you think of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus? We answer that question by telling the truth. We say first, yes, Saul of Tarsus, real or imagined, scares us to death. But our faith in God is larger than our fear. So yes, we are in favor of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus on this day, in this community, in this church. So help us God. <laughs>